Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. What? Oh, now? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, speak. Hey, everybody. <laughs> speak. <laughs> I'm here. Speak, Palmer, speak. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, it's good to uh, good to see you again. It seems like it's been, oh, I don't know. A couple of weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. Six <laughs> weeks. Lifetime. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, uh, we're having to do multiple shows here and then trickle them out over the weeks as podcasts right. but uh you know that allows you uh the opportunity to come up and and uh grace us with your presence yes yes i'm all about grace and trickling <laughs> and presence and trickling yeah and you can see all that on uh justin.tv slash uh brewing network soon soon um we're waiting for <laughs> uh the laptop to uh do this and do that mm-hmm. you can see at least part part of us and speaking of part of us, I feel like uh, our great sponsor, Blickman Engineering, has really become part of us. I mean, yes. they, they, you know, we uh, better uh, half. They, they jumped in, uh, you know, real early on and have been uh, supporting us ever since. That that they have, and um, you know, you just you couldn't ask for a better better partner in this. I mean, well, you know, top, I mean, you know, it was top like a hot brewing, chick and yeah. it was kind of loose in his morals. I mean, then that okay. could prob- possibly be a yeah. better better yeah. partner. But. Okay, but I mean, you know, high tech brewing info, and then high tech, right. you know, equipment, quality of equipment, uh, yeah. uh, the all the innovation that they do in uh, in home brewing equipment, very cool. And uh, you know, and since we're doing progasm, also on the uh, small scale, if you're looking to do a uh, you know uh, like a nano size brewery, uh, I think they they have brew systems up to a barrel now. Yeah, or? even think even two two or three two, barrels two or three barrels okay yeah, yeah. so uh yeah check them out blickman engineering blickman engineering.com with uh, blickman with two ends uh check it out they got they got stuff from uh the uh home brewer to the uh the uh nano uh commercial brewer that's right so, lots of good stuff i can highly recommend uh all their products so check them out and uh like i said today we're going to be doing uh, a continuation of our progasm that's right. We're going to be uh, gasming away. Yeah, talking about uh, equipment today, professionally Equ- equipment. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, I was thinking, ah, yeah, how many people want to learn about you know becoming a pro brewer, and how many, you know, what percentage of our audience is that? And surprisingly, it's quite a few. Or yeah. even the ones I get a lot of emails from folks saying, "Well, I'm, uh, you know, not." thinking of going pro at this time or i probably never will but it's still really interesting to learn about all the things that pro brewers do and it's given me an appreciation for uh 
uh, you know, the craft beer that's made and, right. you know, what goes into it and, and understanding some of the costs that are associated with the beer that I drank. Yeah, everybody wants to know, you know, what the road is, you know, at, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not, not, they don't, may not know if they're, and they're ever going to go down it, but at least they mm-hmm. want to know what it is, where right. it's going, you know. Well, I think for a lot of people, <clears throat> if I had a chance to, you know, hear some shows like this uh, prior to starting my endeavor up, then I think it would have made me a lot more comfortable right. in the process. And right. I think some sometimes people go, well, I can't do that. That's impossible. Uh, I, I just recently, I was up at Hop Union. I gave uh, a talk on going pro and I titled it, uh, you know, can I, you know, go commercial or can I go pro? And... Uh, Really, the question is, should you? But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, really, the process of opening a brewery and selling beer, people look at it as this huge, massive undertaking that is, you know, difficult to do. Mm-hmm. But, or they don't look at it that way enough. Right. They just right. think, oh, yeah, I'm a good brewer. I can... I can do this. Yeah, that's 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 true. But the, the thing is, it, if you just break it down into steps... And it's just a matter of accomplishing a bunch of small things, you know, mm-hmm. one after the other. It's known what those things are, and you just have to do them. Mm-hmm. And there's help to, to help you do them. Yeah. You know, there's advice from other people. And then if you do that, um, you know, soon you're making beer and you're selling it. And it's, it's not that difficult. It's not, uh, you know, rocket science. There's so many people that do it. Right, right. It's just a matter of the will and to put in all the effort that it takes to get it done and the money that it takes to get it done, then you can do it. It's uh it's not it's not uh, impossible. Uh well and as you said, uh <clears throat> we're gonna be talking about equipment and uh, how's your equipment these days? What do you what have you been up to? Well I've seen you in a, uh, in a while. I've I've been doing a lot of traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh recently been down to Buenos Aires. Right, that's right. So last time we talked, you'd been to Brazil, you're going to go to Buenos Aires, and now you've been and you're back, and, then, and yeah. how was that? It was great. I mean, it, um, the the brewing culture, the craft brewing culture there is very similar to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they basically the two countries, you know, are right side, side by side. They help each other out, you know, help each other out a lot, travel back and forth, and... Uh, the they you know they're all really good brewers they 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 don't have the the luxury and handicap of extract brewing down there mm-hmm. you you if you're going to brew it's got to be all grain mm-hmm. um so they they get good at it mm-hmm. um and um it's it's really it's really impressive uh you know the, the quality of the beers and the enthusiasm the passion down there um I learned that I have uh, yet another uh, name for myself down there is uh, Chupa Palmer. Um, Chupa Palmer, yeah. Hey, Chupa. <laughs> Due to the fact that uh, like a Chupa pet. Well, it's like a Chupa Cabra, except this is a Chupa Palmer. Oh. Um, the uh, the lottering manifold that I diagrammed and how mm-hmm. to brew. Um, that's what a lot of home brewers use, and they they instead of calling it a lottering manifold, they called it a Chupa Palmer or a Palmer sucker. Palmer sucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought that's what uh, Push's name was. Yeah. <laughs> the Palmer sucker. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was it was really really a great time down there. A lot of fantastic beers, huh. and um, 
Then uh, just uh, last week, the week before, I was in um, Mexico, Ensenada. Mm-hmm. Um, little um, picking up some recreational <laughs> beers. No, um, there was there was a uh, entrepreneurs conference, uh, business conference there, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they had myself talking about opportunities in craft brewing mm-hmm. and um, a wine expert, uh, sommelier, uh, mm-hmm. Shannon Ladding, talking about opportunities in uh, wine. Mm-hmm. Um, investment and so on um and that was a, you know good time i'm i can see that i'm gonna be going down in sonata frequently because it's close by you and, enjoyed uh, yourself yeah a lot of good a lot of good friends down there uh-huh yeah you know being in southern california probably doesn't take you long to get down there mm-hmm. yeah so yeah, a lot of a lot of up-and-coming craft breweries in mexico yeah. too huh very cool very cool yeah yeah you're uh living the life what does your wife think She's well, glad you're out of the house. That's probably <laughs> probably a real bonus. God, the house well, is clean and quiet. Out from underfoot. So much yeah. better. <laughs> yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And uh, when we get back, we'll kind of get into the equipment that you need and how you acquire it and things like that for uh, Open Your Own Commercial Brewery. Back after this. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My doctor, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alpha <laughs> Yes, J.P. Gore, we will. For I have in my possession the Tower of Power! Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. Dr. Glickman's with the Tower of Power, you can probably give me an afternoon at the pub to Enjoy a pint? Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. Ah. What'd you get? More brewing ingredients? Yep. You know what I love about Brewmaster's Warehouse? The $6.99 shipping. Well, yeah, but... Oh, the in-store classes for beginning brewers. Yeah, that's cool, but... Oh, oh, the brew builder. Creating and saving your recipes online is... Awesome! No, I'm... Yes, but the cheese-making supplies. No. Oh, the wine-making supplies. Oh, the distilling equipment and liquor flavorings. All that stuff is awesome, yes, but what I really love is that the guy who runs it is totally hot. And, and that brew builder software is awesome. Oh, yeah. Brewmaster's Warehouse brings you flat rate shipping on great equipment and ingredients to make beer, wine, cheese, and spirits at brewmasterswarehouse.com. And if you're in Georgia, stop by Brewmaster's Warehouse Monday through Saturday from 10 to 6. Visit brewmasterswarehouse.com today because it's totally hot. Oh, yeah. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishef, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a backseat to the in-your-face hop character. 
you make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Have you ever dreamed of taking a beer tour through Belgium or Germany, but weren't sure how to even start? Or were afraid of missing the best places and events? Or maybe you just wish you had a local insider to take you around? Well, there's only one American tour company featured in the Good Beer Guide to Belgium. Belgian Beer Me, your personal beer tour guide of Belgium and Germany, is ready to go at BelgianBeerMe.com and at BambergBeerMe.com. Founder Stu Stewart personally leads eight tours a year to Belgium and Germany, visiting the finest breweries, beer cafes, abbeys, and festivals, stocking stuffers, birthday presents, and the best honeymoon ever. Couples or individuals love Belgian Beer Me beer tours. Your life is now. Sign up for a beer tour today at Belgian Beer Me or BambergBeerMe.com because all that beer is not going to drink itself. Like both Belgian Beer Me and Bamberg Beer Me on Facebook to follow current and upcoming tours. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, more beer social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Yes, we are. Gasming over uh, prose. Prose. Which prose. is not to say poetry. <laughs> right. It's more like experts. Yes. Professionals. Although when you guys talk, it is like poetry. <laughs> Jeez. Now true. you ruined the whole show. <laughs> oh, my God. What right. else is new, though? So we're talking about uh, equipment that uh, <clears throat> you'd use as, uh, for, for a professional. So, uh, you know, 
everybody that brews all grain understands you know you need a way to convert the grain to the to the wort and ferment it and all that and the the equipment that's generally used for professional brewing is very similar in a lot of ways to uh, the equipment that you use uh, in home brewing. Now, there are more advanced kinds of uh, systems. It goes from, um, you know, you can have essentially just a big mash ton, mash louder ton, and a big, you know, kettle whirlpool and be done with that. Or you start adding other vessels, separate mash, separate louder, separate kettle, separate whirlpool, hot liquor tanks, pre-run tanks, mm-hmm. things like that. They have... Um, uh, mash filters, and uh, they'll you know you run your mash in this thing, and it essentially presses out all the liquid, and you can you know gain liquid from that. And so there's all these other you know technologies, of course, but the the basic concepts the same. And and generally, when you're starting up a brewery, you don't need all these other things. They're expensive. Right. It's really when you're trying to uh, uh, go to substantial production levels. And eke out, you know, a, a few pennies here and a few pennies there. It really starts adding up when you're doing, you know, uh, hundred thousand barrels or or five hundred thousand barrels, saving, uh, you know, uh, fifty cents off a barrel of beer. Really starts to add up. Yeah. Well, and and I think it'd be good to make a point on in terms of the number number of vessels that you use, mm-hmm. whether it's two, three, or four. Um, one one reason for doing that is uh, because it frees up time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, you're you're not in a bottleneck of only being able to produce one batch at a time because you know your vessels are completely tied up. Tied mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. If you have uh, you know a separate a separate mash ton, a separate lauder ton, now you can you can transfer the mash and start laudering and get a new mash going. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and really increase your throughput. Mm-hmm. Same way, you know, if you go to a four vessel system. Um, you know, it frees up your your boil kettle uh, with a separate whirlpool, and you can start you know right. get the next batch in. So, um, yeah, the the things that take up the time in the brewery tend to be the mash and the louder, and you know the uh, you know like John saying if you can uh, uh, you know get those separate out, get those started. Um, and even later on, if you want to increase, you can add another mash and another louder, and still a lot of times, and then go like a pre-run tank, and then a, the kettle and the whirlpool, mm-hmm. and you can really blow a lot of uh, work through that thing. Um, a pre-run tank—that's probably one people aren't familiar with. Um, you know, you're, you're running your louder into that because um, the louder is slow. Yeah, okay. it takes a while to, to run your wort out of the mash. So you run in this pre-run tank. <clears throat> and then once it's all there, you just quickly slam it over into the boil kettle and start boiling it. So it kind of uh, do you, you preheat need... it at that point, or um, I suppose you could, but I think um, I think a lot of them aren't. Um, it's know, a way to it's a way to have the the boil kettle finishing the... up a previous batch while right. you're collecting. Right, you're just collecting it during that time, and the the amount of time it takes you to collect that wort is about the amount of time it takes to boil that previous batch. So uh, you get them done at the same time. I see. So, uh, yeah, it, it increases throughput that way. <clears throat> the interesting thing is it, it, everybody wants to find used equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Because they figure, well, I'm going to save a lot of money. I'm a startup. Used equipment can be fine. <clears throat> the problem is, um, you know, in this uh, day and age right now, 
the market there's so many breweries opening that used equipment is is actually fairly rare uh-huh. it's available more in certain sizes the size that people start with and then want to grow out of you know um you know the uh, 10 15 barrel i think there's more of those available than there are like 30s and 50s and things like that makes sense yeah so uh, it can be difficult to find used equipment in this market and you know if you are going to do it <clears throat> people ask where to find it there's uh used equipment brokers but they tend to charge a little bit more i think for the equipment than if you just buy it direct from somebody uh, before they get tired of waiting around and turn it over to a broker mm-hmm. um there's equipment auctions where businesses there's breweries going out of business all the time and their equipment goes up for sale and um you know and then there's stuff you'll just hear about uh, you know yeah. in your local market and the, the the trick on getting used equipment is to be able to decide very quickly to be able to get there inspect it quickly decide quickly and have the money on hand to write them a check right there and say yeah i'll take it yeah i see that now in in i think one way you would hear about that is um like online pro brewer forums perhaps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah pro uh pro brewer.com uh they have forums there that's a they've got a equipment for sale thing if you're going to use that, you got to troll it mercilessly and keep refreshing and <laughs> yeah. sitting there. And the moment something's posted, you got to jump on it because it goes pretty quick. Uh, the Brewers Association, uh, they have a, 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 a pro brewers forum as well. Mm-hmm. And they'll post uh, auctions and things like that, equipment for sale. Bottling lines come up all the time, things uh-huh. like that. That's a really nice way. And that's not quite as many people, and it's a little more... Uh, you have a little bit better chance of uh, getting the equipment, uh, and I and I'll say this: the uh, you know becoming a member of the Brewers Association uh, professionally, I think that's a, a great thing. Just like uh, yeah. joining the AHA, um, <clears throat> I'm a big proponent of the American Home Brewers Association. Right, and uh, as a home brewer, uh, you know they they help uh, you know look out for your interests and. Uh, in Washington, look out for your interest in the marketplace, and uh, besides the benefits of like the Zymergy magazine, the pub discount program, and all that other stuff, uh, the HA uh, conference and competition, all that stuff's great. But everybody should be signed up for the HA. Right. I know you are. I am. I'm a lifetime member. Yep. Uh, and I would uh, I'd recommend everybody go out there and sign up for. It. You can do it through the Brewing Network <coughs> website. You go to thebrewingnetwork.com. There's an AHA link there, and uh, you sign up through that. The Brewing Network actually gets a, a small cut of that and uh, helps the Brewing Network, helps the AHA, and I think it, it helps uh, home brewers in general and uh, yourself. Yeah, definitely. So, so check that out. But I, there's a brewers, a, a, a professional brewer's equivalent of it, the uh, pro brewer's mm-hmm. uh, membership, and uh, uh, we also do that at Heretic. So I find yeah. it quite useful. Yeah, it is, I think it is a really useful service. Um in my travels to South America, uh, people have asked me, you know, what do you think we should be doing as our next step? You know, what should, mm-hmm. how should, how can we help the craft brewer movement grow? And uh, it's, you know, it's kind of easy to point back to the AHA and the Brewers Association here. I mean, those two organizations here in the states have really done a lot to uh, facilitate the growth of craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through legislation and through you know, ready exchange of information, um, it makes a big difference. Right, 
Right. And what kind of equipment were they using down down there? Did you go to any uh, yeah. uh, larger breweries or just home brewers or um, mixture of both? Both. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, several nano breweries, mm-hmm. um, both in Mexico and, and uh, in Brazil and Argentina as well. Um, I saw you know one barrel systems. I saw you know three barrel systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and where were they getting their equipment? Uh, very often it was um, locally made. Yeah, locally made mm-hmm. tanks, um, some some dairy equipment, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Argentina. Um, the and then I saw you know uh, you know professional installations where mm-hmm. you know um, stuff that was you know fifteen twenty thirty barrel systems. Um, you from know, Germany or something. Yeah, like from Germany and, yeah. and China and and all over. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but usually. Usually the the uh, setups weren't quite you know weren't the fifteen barrel and, and up. Usually they're more like the seven to ten, mm-hmm. maybe fifteenth the largest. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, a lot of times they were brewing in a brew pub situation. Well, and uh, the uh, thing is when you're going with uh, new equipment. Now, yeah, somebody in Mexico sent me uh, some uh, drawings that they had of. Uh, uh, this brew plant that they were having locally built, and I think that's great if you can do it. I, I think you know I worry about the uh, you know quality of construction because you know not every uh, you know person that works in stainless really right. understands about having sanitary welds and right. you know sanitary finish. Um, you know I think that that's quite important yeah. in order to uh, uh, you know. The brew quality beer, I think yeah. it's, it's something to, to look out for. I mean, I should comment on that for just a second. When we talk about a sanitary weld, we're t- no, we're not talking about so much the metal that goes into it. Um, stainless steel, you know, if it's 304, which is everybody's using for you know, restaurant equipment and food preparation, it's sanitary. When, when we talk about a sanitary weld, we're talking about making sure that, that weld doesn't have any crevices and mm-hmm. increases no voids and voids mm-hmm. you know that's where you can get trapped wort mm-hmm. and bacterial contamination that you just can't get rid of mm-hmm. um and also that's a, a very high uh, probability site for corrosion mm-hmm. um if you get those crevices and and, and um, voids and so on in the in the back side of the well or in the front side mm-hmm. um so a sanitary weld is one that's made uh, very smooth. It's been um, no, after no crevice in your backside. Yeah, uh-huh. there. <laughs> very, very good summary there. <laughs> bottom line. Yeah, bottom line. Yeah, bottom line. No crevice in your bottom line. But you know, it's got to be ground down smooth. It's got to be. Mm-hmm. It's got to be cleaned up afterward. Right. Get rid of the, all the heat tint and and mm-hmm. you know bluing and so on that, that occurs during the welding. Yeah, people worry about the look of the welds. Uh, on the outside of something, and sure enough, you know you want those not to trap any moisture and things like that because you do get corrosion. But the welds inside get ground down and then polished, yeah. and the metal itself gets polished to a finish that is uh, considered sanitary. Yeah, because it doesn't entrap anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and very important. So uh, you know, there's uh, you know, with used equipment, you really can't be very picky. You, right. you know, you have to, like I said, you know, you go and take a look at something. If it's going to work for you, if you can make it work, then you have to go for it. You know, pull the trigger on it quick because it won't be there. 
uh, fairly soon, unless it's a piece of garbage. And then, you know, you have to, uh, you know, if you, if you pass on that, there's no guarantee that the next thing is going to work out well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, trying to find exactly what you're looking for in used equipment is very difficult. But in new equipment, a lot of times you can specify, um, you know, what kinds of uh, things you want, how high something is, how wide something is, um, you know, where ports are put. Even when you're buying something, uh, you know, maybe a tank from China, uh, a lot of times they'll allow you. It takes longer, but, yeah, you, you don't want that port. You want an extra port. You want the right. port moved. You want a different size port. Sure, you know, no problem. They'll do it for you, uh, you know, fairly easy. Yeah, and so it's um, I th- one thing you were saying earlier is that um, if you order equipment from China, um, it helps if it's small enough to fit in a standard size container. Correct. Yeah. If you if it's interesting about China is um, you know there's there's great stuff in China and there's bad stuff in China. Yeah. You know the the the, the, the there's no you know reason that stuff that comes from China is necessarily bad. It's like anything you know made in the United States. Right. There's crappy manufacturers in the United States, and there's great manufacturers in the United States. The same thing in China. Now, but the the thing that happens with China is people are tend to always be shopping on price when they buy things from China. Right. And so they tend to go to the cheapest source, and the cheapest source a lot of times they're cutting corners to make it the cheapest, and yeah. some of corners that they cut could make it not so good. So that's you just need to be careful. Uh, and I think you can get great stuff out of China. Uh, if it's something that fits inside a container easily, mm-hmm. it ships much cheaper. If it's bigger than a container, bigger than the width of a, uh, a shipping container, then they have to strap it down to the deck of a ship, and then they build like an enclosure around it, and this whole thing, and it's really, it becomes quite a bit more expensive. That's if it needs to be enclosed. If it doesn't, if you're equipment can sit out on the deck and get salt spray on it <laughs> for a month then yeah. uh you know it's fine I, but i think you know if it needs to be enclosed it becomes quite a bit pricier and then uh you'll find competitive pricing in the united states against china on something that won't fit in a container sure yeah because uh, especially if you, you find a supplier that's uh, relatively close to you we've got several here where i can drive <clears throat> with a trailer uh, U-Haul trailer and, uh-huh. you know, pick up a tank and drive it back. And, you know, my shipping cost is, you know, that. Or, you know, the delivery on a truck is really not yeah, very expensive. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. So, uh, you know, you got to keep that in mind. And then, <clears throat> you know, when you're, you know, if you deal direct with China, I think that can be dangerous. Uh, just because you're not experienced in, you know, unless you're going to go over there and take a look and you're buying a lot of equipment. Sure. I would tend to... Uh, you know, if you want to buy something that route, I would go with one of the people that are already dealing with China and they have wow. experience and they have a reputation to protect. They're going to act as your middleman. They're going to mark it up a little bit, but it's going to protect you from any of the, uh, possible, you know, pitfalls there. Right. So, yeah. like GW Kent, they buy their tanks and stuff from China and, um, you know, a lot of people are, are very pleased with the, the, the quality of that. Um, uh, PBST down in Los Angeles. Um, in the past, I think they had some variable issues, quality issues, but, um, you know, now I buy, uh, kegs from them all the time. I bought $80,000 in kegs and they've all been great. So I think we had one with a, a pinhole leak and, 
Frank was appalled that that yeah. happened and immediately gave me two new ones. Yeah, took care uh, of it. To take care of it, yeah. And we still have one with the penal leak. I need to get that back to him. But um, also, you know, it's, you know he's he's on top of it. He's he's you know looking out for his reputation because he doesn't want anybody saying that you know there's any sort of an issue. So right. you've got that protection there. You've got somebody you trust that will look out for your interests, and that's worth a few bucks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another thing with the China syndrome, <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> Is oftentimes when you deal with uh, manufacturers in China, they don't know you, mm-hmm. so they don't. Uh, I don't want a blanket statement every right. manufacturer in China, but uh, at my last job, uh, we worked with China, and it takes a while. It takes a few orders for them mm-hmm. to kind of feel you out, make Figure sure out that you're what you're be, looking for, what quality you're looking for versus price. Exactly. Well, and also, you know, some people we went with, it was kind of how did they want to treat us. Because mm-hmm. we're not a big company, so we didn't order a whole lot of stuff. So right. it's like, okay, whatever. You're not ordering a container a month. Yeah, and it, well, and it, sometimes it took three or four cycles of orders to kind of for them mm-hmm. to actually listen to us. So mm-hmm. if you go over there and you're going, uh, hey, I need you know eight forty barrel tanks, um, mm-hmm. and you've never dealt with them before, you don't. Sometimes you won't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And so if you go through a broker or someone who's had that experience before, right. not only are they trying to protect their reputation. But they're working, obviously, with a company who has good stuff and who has good equipment and will take care of the end product. Right. No, yeah. that's, those are excellent points. Thank yeah. you. I'm shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so shocked. I think, I think we should take a break. I think that we should. I, 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 need, to, I need to recover from, from that. <laughs> I think it's really throwing me for a loop. I'm dizzy. I'm actually dizzy. Well, let's do this. Let's, let's take a short break. And while we do, I'll recover from my, my shock and dizziness. Uh, we'll figure be, out what page we're on. We'll figure out what page I'll, 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 My vision will clear up, and uh, we'll be able to resume talking about equipment right after this. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read 
read your way to better homebrew. When Michael Fairbrother started Moonlighting, he had no idea how quickly his dream was going to grow. Having homebrewed for 15 years, Michael decided to go pro, but not with beer. While attending his homebrew club meetings, he saw ladies knocking their men out of the way to try his mead. Moonlight Meadery is now two years old and can produce 200,000 bottles a year. It's the first New Hampshire winery to ever distribute to California and Australia. In fact, you can find Find Moonlight Meadery Meads in Connecticut, Massachusetts, Maine, Rhode Island, Vermont, and New Hampshire. And they ship direct to 17 states. They produce 56 different varieties of mead and are unlike anything you've ever seen on the market. Michael Fairbrother at Moonlight Meadery is a real success story that can make the BN Army proud. Visit Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire or online at MoonlightMeadery.com. What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious meals at your favorite restaurant and at home. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. Are you a hophead? Beer lovers of all stripes will love Brewers Publications' latest release, IPA, Brewing Techniques, Recipes, and the Evolution of India Pale Ale by Mitch Steele. I wanted to write a book that presented an accurate review of the history of IPA and also provided current technical brewing tips and recipe information. India Pale Ale is a style I love because it has a rich, fascinating history, and today it provides brewers a showcase for all the great new hop varieties that are available. I'm so proud of this book, and I know you'll enjoy all the recipes and thoughts from so many of the world's great IPA brewers. IPA is available now from Brewers Publications at brewerspublications.com and your favorite homebrew store. Order your copy today and take your hot forward beers to the next level. American Homebrewers Association and Brewers Association members receive early notice and special discounts to most Brewers Publication releases. Visit brewerspublications.com to learn more and to find a schedule of author appearances. IPA by Mitch Steele. Get yours today. Seven short minutes of California State Route 101. There lies a secret oasis for all craft beer lovers. It's relax, grilling, and chilling, bro! Relax, grilling, and chilling in Hollister, California is a craft beer lover's dream come true. Not like a creepy JP dream. Like a normal craft beer lover's dream. 30 taps pouring your favorite craft beer. Visit Relax Grilling and Chilling on Facebook to see the most up-to-date beers and what's on the grill. Let us grill so you can chill. Angus burgers, filet mignon, and ribeye steaks, dogs and sandwiches, and more. Great food, great beer in a place where you can kick back and relax. Tuesdays are brewery nights. Come in to celebrate, and you're not limited to enjoying your favorite brew at the restaurant. Relax, grillin' and chillin' has beer to go. Relax, grillin' and chillin'. Let them grill so you can chill. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about uh, the progasm and equipment. Equipment. We're talking about uh, selecting your equipment or getting your equipment or sizing your equipment, adjusting your equipment. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, size-wise, I think yeah, my my personal preference is you know, go as big as you can. You know, once you start producing beer, um, you know, you're not going to be able to produce enough. Um, you know, I guess there's some reasonable maximum limit. You know, we're we're buying a new brew plant and I uh, settled on thirty barrel. Uh, the interesting thing is, I I could go fifty barrel. It's not too much more. Right. But I guess, you know, I talked to Brindleson and he was saying, ah, you know, go go 30 barrel and allow you a lot more flexibility, you know, because you can double batch. You know, we can double batch on the, on the 30 barrel the same amount of time it takes us to make 30 barrels today. I can make 60. Oh, I see. With this uh, new brew plant because it'll be four vessel. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, being able to do that, uh, I think... You know, so there's there's some size limits. If if you get too big, the, the you need to size it with the cycle of you know beer going out, right? And so you kind of need to match it to your distribution. If you go too small, you're constantly working, working, working. You don't have time to do anything else. When new opportunities to sell your beer comes up, you can't produce enough. You have to change out the brew plant. Right. Changing out the brew plant, I think, is, you know, it's problematic, usually because you're using it and you don't have room for another brew plant and, you know, you end up tearing one down while you're putting the other one in and it really screws with you. Yeah. Um, so there's just things to keep in mind. And then if you have a, you know, a large enough brew plant with excess capacity, it really, you know, generally for a given brew plant, the limitation. A lot of times, brewers think the limitation is the actual brew plant, but they don't even don't realize. If you look at uh, your homebrew setup, whatever your homebrew setup is, imagine running that thing twenty four seven. Let's say you have other brewers that are going to come in and they're going to run your brew plant for you. They are going to produce beer on that or wort on that for you, right? Continuously, as soon as you know one batch is out, you're you know you you, you go ahead and you're uh, 
you refill the mash ton and you know fill it with hot hot uh, liquor and you know you're mashing and you know then you clear the kettle and you start running more word out and you do that continuously think about how many fermenters that's going to take right how many fermenters do you need to handle that? I mean, a lot of people are like, wow, yeah, I don't have enough fermenter space. It's always fermenter space, right? Right, right. And once you've done that, how much cold storage space do you need for that beer that you produce? You can't just let it all sit around warm. You've got to right. store it store cold. for. Uh, and uh, so to think about that. What What is it that, you know, the limitations? So even on a little homebrew system, you know, generally it's all the fermenters and uh, all that other stuff that's, that's your limiting factor. Yeah. I was talking to Steve Kinsey about this uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, he's uh, uh, opened uh, Kinetic Brewing down in Lancaster. It's, right. Uh, like a brew pub. Yeah. Real, real successful. I think he's got a 10-barrel uh, setup. Mm-hmm. And um, they're... He's probably already thinking, God, I wish I had a 15 or a 20, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're brewing, you know, because it's a brew pub, they're not mm-hmm. really distributing other than, right. you know, across the, across the bar. Um, they only need to brew a couple, couple, three times a week, mm-hmm. you know, on that size system. Well, and there's there's a rule of thumb for scaling a brew pub plant to the number of seats you have. Oh, really? Right. So you figure out how many mm-hmm. seats you have, how many pints those seats will will sell on average uh, during a week. You figure out how many that you could sell maximum right. to those number of seats. To you know, you have a building occupancy limit. You have you know how many good point. you know how the average person how much they're going to drink. You pretty much figure out the maximum amount of beer you can sell through that through that outlet. Right, and so you want to size your plant appropriately um, to to deal with that. Yeah, and then and one thing that he told me that uh, really rang true was, um, you know, you you brewing on that plant you know once or twice a week um and you get you know enough fermenters to um to take that volume but also you figure out you know a r- roughly how much time each beer is going to spend in the fermenter mm-hmm. and he said you know recommended that uh that you double size at least one of the fermenters mm-hmm. so that you can ha- you that basically you can double batch your, your flagship core, your beer. core brand yeah. right mm-hmm. And that way, you know, you really save a lot of time when mm-hmm. it comes to that that high volume beer that you're making. That you know, your best seller, right? Um, you know, you you're ne- you're never running out of that beer. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's a real good point. Well, and uh, you know, it goes back to building selection, all that. I think we talked about how height is valuable in a building. If you can yeah. get a, a building with taller ceilings um, than uh, you know another. When you double the size of a fermenter, um, it goes taller and generally only goes a few inches out in diameter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it'll take up maybe another, uh, you know, foot by foot, you know, space. Um, You know, it's not nothing, but it's, you know, height. So if you you have a building where you've got 20, 30, 40, whatever foot ceilings or you got outdoor space you can put your fermenters outside as well and that's true and uh, have them insulated on top and then have a you know run the piping in and out through the building Mm -hmm. um if you do that uh you know you don't have to pay for that square footage square footage is one of those things where even if you own the building it's not free and anything you use that space for uh, it has a cost associated with it, and it should sure. be generating revenue in some way, or it's tied to, 
you know, the production, and that's part of your costs. When you're mm-hmm. figuring out your cost of producing beer, you need to consider how much square footage those, the, that takes up, yeah. and what the, the your cost of that square footage is. Either you're paying a lease for, to somebody, a rent to somebody, or you've purchased it and you're paying on the loan to buy the building, and that's part of it, or you're paying pro- at least you're paying property taxes or something, or, you know, there's some cost associated with everything right. in the brewery. So you need to take that into account when you're when you're doing these things. Yeah. Now it occurs to me. Um, I wish I, I the number of bright tanks that you buy uh, mm-hmm. to serve your beer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that generally? Do you think it's like half half of the say the number of fermenters that you have, or is it just the same number as the number of you know regular beers that you have on tap? Or it probably kind of varies depending on your situation, but. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question whether you need bright tanks or not at at all or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bright tanks they differ from fermenters in that the fermenters have a cone on the bottom uh, of a certain angle, and bright tanks will just have a dished bottom, right. a, a, a broader, flatter surface. Yeah. So if you're trying to get the yeast out or dry hopping out or something like that, you put them in a fermenter and it kind of slides down the cone. And you can get most of it out that way. Um. But on the bright tank, you know, you can the, – the problem with that is, you know, a lot of stuff keeps settling in the fermenter and you keep blowing it out and more settles down and, you know, it, oh. it, it you end up wasting some beer that way. And a bright tank, if you've already got it pretty much clear and you transfer over to the bright tank, it's got this broad, shallow dish. You can – the final bits will settle out and you can slowly pull the beer off and, you know, you don't run into that stuff. Um, I was talking to Brindleson again, where I can get a lot of my advice, you can tell, Um, because the guy's brilliant. He knows what he's talking about. And I asked him about, you know, know, do you really need bright tanks or not? And, you know, he said, no, you don't. Um, They have some bright tanks at Firestone because... The building's not quite tall enough to put use have used a fermenter there, uh. and they needed the extra volume. So putting in a bright tank gives them a little bit more volume because instead of a coned bottom, it's you know straight sided to a dish, so sure. you can actually get more volume in a given given area. I see. So uh, you know that's that's one of the reasons that you could do that. Mm-hmm. But the pricing is about the same, and you know mm-hmm. it's so. You know, if I was starting out, I, I'm not even sure I would get bright tanks unless you're using them for serving vessels, right? You know, and that's that's a different different story. Then you can get a you know a bright tank. You put in your your walk in and use that to serve your brew pub or whatever. You right. you know th- that makes sense rather mm-hmm. than going to kegs. It's cheaper yeah. to buy a bright tank and serve from that than it is from kegs, mm-hmm. uh, and easier to clean than a lot of times than a whole bunch of kegs. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I'd had. I wish I had my notes here because it, it seems like um, I think there's a case to be made for for bright tanks, depending on you know whether you're serving from them or you have uh, limited fermenter space that you need mm-hmm. to get you know, get that beer out of the fermenter to make room for the next batch, and but right. you still need to store it. But for a you, could, of time. you could go ahead and buy another fermenter yeah. for the same price as a bright tank. Yeah. So. That's why <laughs> we we should you know we right. should research this question and get to get an expert opinion. Well, I have, oh. I, I am an expert on this. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Already, I'm doing this. I'm living the life. I'm living the dream. No, um, you know the cost of a fermenter versus a bright tank is you know it's it's tiny. It's you know yeah. you save maybe like a thousand bucks or you know a grand or two on a bright tank versus. Um, 
buying a fermenter. So if you have the space, uh, you can buy a, a ferm- another fermenter right. and use that like a bright tank. Right. Makes it's sense. the same kind of vessel. The only difference really is the bottom, the cone versus the dish bottom. Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that's that's essentially the difference between the two. And you know, you, you I mean, you can go with an uninsulated bright tank, I guess, if you're storing it in uh, like a cold space. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But then you're taking up your cold room space. That's expensive right. too. Right. So, um, uh, you know, you can just buy another fermenter instead, and then as you grow, if you, you need if you need to use a fermenter, you can. Right. Uh, that's the nice thing about fermenter. If you buy a bright tank, you really can't use it as a fermenter. You can, but you're going to, you know. You're going to be wishing you had a fermenter. Right, right. <laughs> so I would buy fermenters, and then if you really do need a bright tank uh, for various reasons, then you can go ahead and get a bright tank. But I would start with fermenters Good unless point. you're going to unless you're gonna serve from them and you're going to you know, mm-hmm. do something like that. And even fermenters, you can serve from them. I mean, there's, yeah. again, the difference is the cone versus a dish bottom. That's that's all it really is. Uh, let's see here. And what else were we going to talk about? We were going to talk about um, how you, how you find a uh, a manufacturer, lead times, things like that. Yeah, uh, there's uh, you know, I mean, as far as locating a supplier, uh, you can always go to the brewer's resource directory. Yeah, I haven't been too thrilled with that. It's it's all right. Um, you know, you can check out uh, the New Brewer magazine. That's a benefit of being uh, the Brewers Association, Association member. Uh, it's got a lot of ads in there. Uh, go to CBC, things like that. You can, CBC is really good because a lot of the manufacturers are there, and you can talk to them in person and get some mm-hmm. idea of, you know. That's the Craft Brewers Conference. Right. That's, again, something done through the uh, Brewers Association. Um, you know, they uh, uh, tend to... Uh, you know, communicate with a lot of the people, and and uh, that's one of the things uh, when we were looking for a manufacturer for our brew plant. It was, you know, asking a lot of friends, asking a lot of breweries, going around to breweries, seeing what they're using, asking them, you know, what do you think of this manufacturer? You know, who would you buy your new brew plant from? Who did you buy your new brew right. plant from? And uh, you know, that's I think one of the best sources, and um, you know, really builds up your comfort level. Um, How many brew plant manufacturers are we talking about in the United States, roughly? Uh, boy, you know, there's probably, you know, that I know of, I know of at least, boy, half a dozen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, that's those are all pretty much towards the West Coast, but there's, I'm, I'm sure there's more elsewhere. And then there's people that work with, you know, China and, and bring mm-hmm. stuff in as well. Germany, uh, Europe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Let's do this. Uh, let's take our last break. And when we do, we'll come back and we'll talk about a little bit more about uh, manufacturers of new equipment right after this. By popular vote from the Northwest Brewing News, HopTech has been voted the best homebrew shop in Northern California. Serving homebrewers for nearly 30 years in Dublin, California, HopTech carries more than 40 different kinds of hops and more than 60 different grains. Malt extract, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts. Open every day except Wednesday or shop online anytime at HopTech.com or call 
Call 1-800-DRY-HOPS, 1-800-379-4677. With in-store classes almost every Saturday, huge selection, and a dedicated commitment to their customers, HopTech is one of the longest-running and passionate homebrew stores, period. And now, by popular vote, the best homebrew shop in Northern California. And don't forget their 15% military discount. HopTech. Visit today at HopTech.com. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Hey, Jack, what you doing? (laughs) Playing Warcraft? No way. It's TBG time, buddy. TBG? Get with it. I'm playing that brewery game. What brewery game? No, that's the name of the site, thatbrewerygame.com. What? Yeah, check it out, man. If you've ever brewed beer in your dreams or wish you could mash in right from your desk at work, you can. Kind of. With That Brewery Game. You can brew up a great batch of beer from anywhere, virtually. Then you can sell it, because in that brewery game, it's legal to sell your beer to the public, create recipes, brew virtually, upgrade your equipment, upload labels, and test market your brand at thatbrewerygame.com. You still slinging pissed off birds into buildings from your phone? Forget that. Try making beer. Sweet. Register right now for your free account at thatbrewerygame.com. Brew. Drink. Play. ThatBreweryGame.com Alright, BN Army, it's trivia time. What's the only homebrew shop with over 1,000 recipe kits, $4.99 shipping on orders over 100 bucks, and is also home of the Wolf Shirt? The one and only answer is Austin Homebrew Supply. For over 20 years, they've specialized in creating recipes such as the best-selling Texas Blonde Ale, Apocalypso, Hot Bomb 2.0, and Double Chocolate Stout. And they just recently unveiled their small grain kits that produce one gallon of beer. Visit Austin homebrew.com to browse their extensive catalog of equipment and ingredients. They also have mini clone recipes of your favorite commercial beers. They're the exclusive retailer of Brew Vent Yeast Fuel as well, Yeast Nutrient, and the all-new Bodybuilder. Follow Austin Homebrew Supply on Google Plus to participate in video hangouts on popular brewing topics. So visit austinhomebrew.com today and make sure you sign up for their weekly email with news and specials. Austin Homebrew Supply, austinhomebrew.com. 
for putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contract, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a homebrew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber special secret elite bare bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy shit! NicoBrew.com. N I K O B R E W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. into the city. It's in ruins. Only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization. <sighs> I need a drink. Oh no, the liquor store has been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? <laughs> Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. <gasps> oh, 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 it can't be done. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm going to need some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... A vial of White Labs yeast is the key to your best beer. When you open a vial of White Labs yeast, you're giving your beer its best chance for a perfect fermentation. In addition to their already incredible variety of yeasts, White Labs is proud to announce WLP 90, San Diego's Super Yeast, now available year-round. WLP 90 is super clean, super fast fermenting, with low esters and has a neutral flavor and aroma profile. It's alcohol tolerant and highly flocculent. For more of the latest White Labs news, click over to whitelabs.com, where you can read reviews of yeast, learn in the lab section, and join the customer club. And if you should find yourself in San Diego, White Labs has a brand new training facility for craft brewers and home brewers alike. Whitelabs.com. Discover yeast, nutrients, enzymes, and more for commercial breweries, home brewers, and homebrew stores. White Labs. It's all in the vial. To the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Yeah. If you turn turn on the mic, if you, <laughs> if you tune into the webcam, you can see how hard my nipples are right now. Uh, Justin.tv slash uh, the brewing network. 
Sorry, um, why forgetting. would they want to see that? Oh, look at that. It's like a cut diamonds with that thing. I, I forgot to turn why. your mic off. On, I was already turned on. Palmer's right. mic was on. I, I just I lost the third <laughs> turn on. I'm sorry. Yeah, we lost the uh, control of the show. Funny how that <laughs> happens every show. I don't know. Uh, and speaking of funny, what happens every show is we talk about uh, another one of our fine sponsors, uh, AdamandEve.com. Uh, check them out. Uh, they've been a sponsor for a while. They've got uh, some great items, uh, adult yeah. adult type items, uh, entertainment items, and uh, a wide variety of things. If you buy one item at 50% off, uh, you buy one item, you'll, you're going to use the offer code... Uh, Jamil. 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 J-A-M-I-L. Speaking uh, of hard nipples. Yeah. And uh, you're going to get that one item at 50% off. And uh, you get a free gift, a sensual uh, gift that they send. That's it's apparently so sensual. I can't even talk about it on the internet. I just have it's to. It's not just fuzzy sensual. dice. Huh? Not fuzzy dice. You get free shipping, and you're going to get uh, your choice of three free DVDs. You can choose from uh, categories such as anal, Asian, MILF, POV, uh, chunky, coed, spastic, Disney. Yeah, Disney, spastic, spastic. Yeah. Uh, they I'm sure have, they, they have, have cosplay. Them. If you want Disney, uh, I'm sure they have cosplay. Then is that. that like costume? Yeah, costume yeah. play. Yeah. Oh, and what's the one where it's like a fuzzy animal? Where it's like you oh, dressed furry, up? Oh, your like furries. A, it's furries. furries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, assume I'm. I guess you I don't guess know. You wouldn't have have done that. <laughs> but uh, I do have to get out of here and go to the dry cleaner. <laughs> pick, pick up your up. costume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So check it out. They they've they've been a good sponsor and uh, and uh, apparently they're 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 a good uh, corporate citizen as well. So uh, AdamandEve.com, dot com. They even have a mobile site. Uh, if you can't wait and want to get on your phone, m dot adameve dot com. Check them out yep. today. All right. So we're talking about equipment and, and the manufacturers buying new equipment. Uh, keep in mind that uh, if you're buying new equipment, there's a long lead times. So everybody wants new equipment. These guys all, all tend to be quite busy. If they're any good, they're booked busy. for months. And uh, for our new brew, brew plan, I had to put down $25,000 just to block out the time frame that I wanted the thing built. Wow. So, uh, you know, be prepared to, uh, you know, come up with the money you know to to schedule these things and uh be prepared to wait uh you know it can take some time uh so um you know the we were talking about uh, manufacturers and and again the the good thing about buying new equipment is you can specify what what you want they'll give you a set of drawings you go from the drawings and you can look in and say well i need this moved over here i need this you know i want this this way and everybody has their own personal ways of working it helps if you thing. know the size of your building that you're trying to, where you're trying to place this. Absolutely, yeah. Um, reference the drains, yeah, et cetera, you, et cetera. Yeah, it depends on the building. You know, some buildings, you know, there may be height restrictions or you got odd configuration, and and then, and then they can work with you, and it's much easier. Uh, you know, it can help you lay it out. They'll, you know, you take them by to the building. You know, you send them drawings of the building. They're very good about, uh, or they should be, you know, depending on what manufacturer you work with, should be right. good about you know, making sure that it's going to work with your building. Um, you know, if you're looking at a, a, a rectangular warehouse building <laughs> in some industrial area, then, you know, it's it's, it's not quite as important. Um, but it can be because they, you know, a good manufacturer, you know, they'll talk to you about um, the way that uh, you're working uh, you know how you produce your your beer. The, the manufacturer we're working with, um, AAA uh, Metal out of Oregon. They, um, uh, you know, their first question is, okay, you know, what's your 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 typical beer? You know, what do you brew? 
you know, what, mm. what, what, uh, strength do you brew it to? You know, what, uh, you know, what volumes, what do you do? You know, dry hopping, things like that. Uh, whirlpool additions, all that, you know, they take into account. You know, how long do you like to boil? What kind of evaporation do you like? Uh-huh. Things like that all take, are, need to be taken into account when you're building this brew plant. And then I'm like, well, you know, the, the thing I want that I never see is a sink on the brew platform. <laughs> and they're like, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> We ought to start putting that on. So they're putting a sink on the brew platform. Nice. You know, chill down your word samples. Just, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, there's nowhere to put anything up there. There's not even a table. So they're putting a sink and a table on our brew platform for us. I'm like, great. See, it doesn't really cost that much more. And it's going to be convenient. And I'm not going to have to retrofit something later on. It's all going to be built in. So Get little cup uh, holders. Yeah, you know, and I think that's actually, uh, our current brew, brew platform has uh, cup holders and we don't use them at all. I mean, we use them to hold <laughs> like, you know, thermometer, but it's so big the thermometer almost falls through because it's a cup holder. Uh, uh-huh. It'd be better to have like thermometer holders. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your long metal probe thermometers and mm-hmm. you know, something to hold the mash paddle, something to, at that know. point, just get a little dorm fridge and like, right. A, a yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not, you know, we we tend not to drink when we're brewing. You know, water, yeah, yeah. water bottle holder, or maybe a, you know, a water cooler up there would be much better because you're hot and thirsty. Yeah, and uh, you know, you're not, not drinking a lot of beer when you're when you're doing that. So, um, but that's that's a, a nice thing about the manufacturers. You want to, uh, uh, you know, in choosing a manufacturer, you, you ask people, um, and you had a question before we went to break. And I'm not sure what it was. Uh-huh. Um, the break was so entertaining that I can't remember <laughs> what we were talking about before that. But uh, you know, you uh, it, it's a good idea to um, you know ask everybody you know about various manufacturers who they'd recommend. Get quotes from those folks, and just the process of getting quotes will tell you a lot about that manufacturer. Mm-hmm. So manufacturers are great. You know, they come back and they go, "Well, here's our standard, you know, thirty barrel package. This is what we generally do for most breweries. It's going to vary for you, and this is approximately what it's going to cost, depending on what options you choose." And some manufacturers will just like give you a price and go, "Oh, yeah, that's," and it's like, "Well, what's the, what does that include?" And then you know they'll have kind of like a mash ton you know no specifics <laughs> yeah and uh you know if you ask for specifics or drawings they don't have it oh. it's like you don't have drawings of yeah. the brew plant and i'm gonna spend you know yeah. a quarter million half million dollars on some you know piece of equipment i need to see drawings yeah exactly uh, so, you know, they'll tell you a lot about the manufacturers. And then once you do that, I'd recommend, you know, asking them. And this is one of the reasons besides effective or more cost effective shipping is, um, you know, if it's a, a local uh, manufacturer or relatively local, they'll have installed brew plants in your area. Yeah. You know, so we're working a company out of Oregon. We're in California, but still. They've installed, you know, on the West Coast. It's not that far from me. I was able to drive up one day, take a look at a brew plant, uh, you know, talk to the brewers about what they, you know, it was one of their more recently installed brew plants. What do you like about it? It's the same size, same configuration we were looking for. Yeah. You know, what do you like? What's the problem? What problems have you had? What issues have you had? What, what broke, you know, after they put it in? And, right. you know, how were they about addressing that, you know? Um, so That's it's a... Point you know a good way to do it and you're talking to somebody who's actually using it versus you know uh the manufacturer's assumption of how it works so that you know gives you a real comfort level in in ponying up that kind of money 
Right, right. Yeah, I was just uh, over at Golden Road Brewing in, in Los Angeles last week, and they're they're upgrading from a 15 barrel to a 50 barrel system. Mm-hmm. So they've got uh, they got part of the roof removed right now, and they're lifting in new tanks, and uh, they've got a welder on site, you know, connecting everything up, mm-hmm. and it's coming right along. So it's a it's a pretty nice looking system. But see any change at all to your brew plant? You know that's why if they had started at let's say 30 barrel, right. They wouldn't be making that change, right? You know, they they could just go ahead and uh, you know brew more on that, or they could add you know another mash ton, a louder ton, a pre-run tank, things like that, and and you know expand that thing and double the capacity of that thirty barrel. That's kind of along the lines of what Firestone did uh-huh. was instead of just replacing everything with one giant uh, system, they just added another set of equipment in parallel, and uh, okay. one brewer can pretty much run both of them. It makes sense. You, know, you yeah. stagger them just. 15 minutes and you can you can handle all that uh and as a matter of fact stone in their current expansion they're doing the similar thing instead of replacing their i think it's 120 barrel that they're using instead of replacing that with like a 250 they're putting another 120 in in parallel right and they'll run those and that uh gives you a lot more flexibility right um you know might take up a little bit more floor space i think so there is that cost there but uh, I think that uh, you know that's um, you know a really interesting way to go because you can keep your current plant running at right. full capacity while you're putting in the other one, and um, you don't change recipes. Your recipes stay the same, everything True. like that. So you yeah. you don't have that variation when you start up a, a new brew plant yeah. and you change the uh, you know especially if you change the size. Yeah, because um, it's it's fair to say you can't make a half batch in a very real large system like that right yeah for seasonal or something yeah they're specced out you know to work in a certain range Mm -hmm. and you you figure out what's the smallest beer you make on that what's the biggest beer you make on that and hopefully your average beer is right in the middle and um you know that's that's what you're limited to now you could make more or throw it away but yeah yeah not so great but yeah um if you want to do something you know sour beer or something like that and do you really want to make you know 50 barrels of that or do you want to make you know 30 uh it depends yeah you yeah. know but it's it's something to keep in mind good point yeah you could do uh two two mash systems instead of one giant one all right uh any uh questions from the chat there jp yes sir we have two the first one is from pbw brew Mm-hmm. He says, I'm curious if they could name some brands of brewing equipment as well as if there are any planning resources. Mm, well, mm. Uh, brands, brewing equipment, um, you know, JV Northwest is often talked about. Uh, it tends to be premium price, uh, but nice equipment. Um, uh, we're, we're going with AAA. Um, there's uh, DM, DME. There's uh, Specific Mechanical. There's um, Premier. Uh, Premier, and you, you need to be careful. I think, uh, you know, a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, we've got, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, you, people want U.S. made equipment. Mm-hmm. And for anything moving, I would buy like U.S. or German, you know, for anything that moves. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, when you're buying just uh, static tanks, there were no moving parts. I think China is a is a great option there. Okay. Um, 
But, uh, you know, and sometimes the, the U.S. manufacturers, it'll be a blend of stuff that they're buying in China. They bring it in and then they do some Final stuff to it right. and then sell it to you. So if you want, you know, U.S. only, um, then uh, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Silver State Stainless, that's another one out here. They're in uh, just close to Reno. They're pretty close to me. I've seen their work. Uh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, the new Great Basin uh, Brewery uh, was from Silver State, and they they did a, a beautiful job on that. Um, uh, and they're I think more recent to the brew plant type of thing, but they've been doing tanks for a long time. Sure. Um, yeah. uh, who else? And there's a bunch of them. Um, Premier. Uh, there's another one down in L.A. that um, I talked to, but a lot of people go through Premier. Um, and they do bigger stuff. I, I just always thought that they, you know, their specialty was more on the smaller brew pub size thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's what you're doing, I think that's it could be a good choice as well. Uh, on the bigger, you know, production breweries, um, it tends to be some of these other manufacturers. But, uh, you know, I, I would just go around and see the equipment at, at different places, ask the brewers, see how it works, see what you like, you know, see which one kind of fits with, with your your idea uh planning resources planning in terms of the brew plant or the whole thing um yeah I, yeah probably I, w- I would imagine um helping you design your brew plan you didn't, you didn't go into specific yeah i would go to the manufacturer you know and just say hey i want to do a, you know a 20 barrel 30 barrel whatever it might be yeah um and and go from there and like you're saying if that manufacturer doesn't you know show you drawings and right. and start giving you specific details then look for I'd, another I'd worry source about it, yeah. too i mean if it's just somebody who slaps together stainless then you know you can just buy stuff you know at whatever price and you probably save yourself some money but if you go with a manufacturer that's going to work with you I, I think that's the better way to go i think it's for me i think it's worth you know a little bit extra money to to have somebody that's going to work with you yeah and at that and that kind of pricing they should be you know Okay, um, and then the second question is from Mead Guy from Maryland. No spider wrangler. No spider wrangler. I think he's working right now. Working. He said he'll be back. <laughs> he'll he'll be on later. But uh, Mead Guy says, "What is the best route to go to draw up a business plan for a brew pub?" Hmm. I think we did a show on business plan uh, stuff, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The a progasm. Yeah, the best route to go to draw up a business plan for a brew pub is to start writing a business plan for um, a brew pub for a brew pub yeah <laughs> uh you know get get yourself some books if you've never written a business plan before or read one get there's a couple of good books out there there's um good software business plan pro software okay i think it's and it's not very expensive and uh it, it uh will really um you know make it quite easy kind of you you can pick a business similar to your own and then you just walk through and fill out section by section it kind of guides you through i think that's money well spent and makes it pretty easy to come up with a a a fairly professional looking uh, business plan and the hardest part is coming up with all the numbers and working the numbers just get yourself a spreadsheet and start saying okay so my rent is or my rent might be you know my salaries my materials my this my that you know how much can i sell it for how much can i sell how many seats do i have how many pints you know could i sell per seat and just kind of work through it and it takes time and effort um or you you can get a consultant to maybe try and do it for you but i I Mm. think it's important to try and do it yourself 
And look back through the shows, our program shows, because I'm pretty sure we covered it, uh, maybe not in super finite right. detail, but uh, a little bit more detail than we can cover right, right now. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And maybe we can do a show just on that, but yeah. uh, I'm not sure. That's it from the chat. All right. Anything else to add to that, uh, John? No, I, th- I think we covered most of the bases. All right. Well, another fine show. I think uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. We're going to we're gonna jump into... Uh, the miracle of distributing your beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, I can't wait for this. It truly is the miracle of distribution. Self-distribution, like self-abuse, and uh, regular distribution, like having somebody else abuse you. It's all <laughs> it's all part of the fun <laughs> of uh, being a pro brewer. Uh, and uh, not nearly as difficult and bad as you'd think. So uh, stay tuned if you're listening to the podcast. It could be another two weeks from the posting of this one. So. Oh, Mead Guy uh, from Maryland is in the chat still. He says, uh, P.S. just found some her- heretic beer recently, and it's awesome stuff. In Maryland? Yeah. Wow. Nice. Cool. Well, well, he didn't say where, but that's where he's oh, from. So. Okay. Well, that's, uh, who, who knows? Maybe I'll say. Yeah. All right. So uh, if you get a chance, check out the Brewing Network store. There's lots of goodies in there. There's cool new uh, BN Army hats, uh, lots of great shirts, all sorts of goodies in there that uh, you check it out. You buy that stuff. It goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network, helps pay for the show, uh, and you know continues to, to make it free for you to download. So uh, keep checking out the store, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. Check out our great sponsors, Blickman Engineering, uh, the AHA, uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, we also have uh, what a uh, link to BYO on the site. Sign up for BYO, 50% of that goes back to the uh, Brewing Network, and uh, you get a great magazine as well. And uh, all that other stuff. Books. Uh, while you're here, you should sign some books. Yes, I will. Right. Yeah, I'm going to pick up a copy of my uh, IPA book myself while I'm here. Yeah, I need to get one, too. And get Mitch to sign it for me. All right. All right. Till then, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody. 